0: Our scripture readings this week are in Galatians. We're going to be reading six chapters of Galatians. If you have your Bible, let's go over to Galatians. I want to take some notes, some thoughts here uh, from, from our text. Now, Galatians, when I think about Galatians, there are a number of things that come to mind. And One of the things I think about is the freedom that we have in Christ. And I think some people think about the freedom we have in Christ, and they take the grace of Christ and they will misapply it. And they'll say, well, I have freedom to do what I want to do. It sounds like the Corinthians saying, all things are lawful for me. And of course, that's wrong. Uh, Freedom in Christ, some have taken it as uh, the ability to make adjustments to the gospel and to alter it. Well, that's definitely wrong. I want to see what the Apostle Paul has to say about this in a moment. Uh, Some have taken that, quote, freedom and misused it to allow us to add new laws and traditions to the gospel. And so we, we see a lot of that. We see a lot of things going on in the culture, especially this time of the year. Uh, And and I'm very thankful that a lot of people are thinking about the resurrection of Christ today, but I hope they would think about it, as Dane pointed out, every day, and at least think of it in the sense of being assembly every first day of the week. Those are things to be thinking about. But Some of those cultural things that go on uh, sometimes get too embedded in in churches. We want to be careful about that as well. I'm going to take some observations tonight from Galatians chapter 1 in verses 6 through 12. Galatians 1, 6 through 12. So let's, let's draw out from what we, we see right here. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so, Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He knows what's going on here in the conflicts and the misuse of God's grace and freedom and then also for them to be going back to the law. And they're blending these other things in with with the gospel. And he says, this is a different gospel. And he says, I'm astonished. I'm shocked by this. And this morning in Bible class, we talked about the emotions that are often conveyed, the, the human nature of the writers of the Bible. And you definitely see that right there. And his astonishment at this. And this should be our reaction, shouldn't it? I hope that we don't get to the point where we hear somebody altering or changing the gospel and we're not astonished by it. We're not shocked by it. It doesn't affect us. We definitely don't want to react in that way. Look at verse 7. He says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to to distort the gospel of Christ. And how so? Well, if you're familiar with Galatians, you know one of the main things they're doing there is they're adding circumcision to it. And so Paul has to address that. But when you change the gospel, you start changing a lot of things that go on in the Christian life. Let's keep reading. Uh, Verses 8 and 9 are very strong. Listen to this. But even if we, who's we? The apostles, the missionaries of of the church under the the apostles, any of these guys who have gone out. And so Paul's saying, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel "...contrary to the one that we preached to, to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema." You know, that's a very strong word. That's a Greek word. If you, if you read like the American Standard in King James, it says anathema. And it means cursed to the greatest extent. Let him be anathema. Verse 9, "...as we said before, so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed." No apostle can change it. No angel from heaven can change it. Nobody can change the gospel of Christ. Well, that's a very heavy weight, I think, on some. Uh, when you are have the responsibility to teach, to preach, or if you're instructing other people in just general evangelism or teaching children, you want to make sure that you're teaching the gospel uh, on a, on adulter- on, on unchanged and not altered in any way. So... Especially in this, uh, there's no way I want to be a curse for that. All right, let's look at verse 10 and following. For am am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's a great point. And it gets to the point where we realize there are a lot of people out there who are trying to please people. They're about pleasing men and not about pleasing God and not acting as a servant of Christ when it comes to the message of the gospel and so you start to see some compromises when it comes to the gospel and so when we start thinking about the gospel as the death burial, and resurrection of christ someone might say well what's what's wrong with circumcision it was a part of the covenant to abraham it's under the law of moses uh it's isn't it a healthy thing uh why not have that in the church well again it's not a law of christ and it's not binding on those who are under christ and it's a burden too great to be born as paul says elsewhere Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Very true. So that gospel you just received from the apostles that we read right here in the New Testament, we have the gospel in its purity. Uh, That's the great thing about having the Bible. You have some different churches today that say we have the true tradition that we're passing down. Along with the Bible, and I'm I think, okay. Well, then it should line up with the Bible. But if it doesn't, then they're have, they're adding to the gospel and they're altering it and changing it. And whatever tradition they're claiming is is not really lining up. So you got these 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 issues here. So we draw out from this and and we learn from this text that first of all, don't be quickly deceived. You know, you hear someone who's, you know, knows some things about God and know some things about the text, don't be deceived by what they're saying if it's contrary to the gospel, if they're adding to it, if they're distorting the grace of of Christ. And the thing that we also see here very strikingly, again, is that there are great consequences to adding to the word of Christ. Um, 2 John verse 9 says, again, that if, if we were to add to Christ and to alter His words, then, again, we don't have any part in Christ. We want to make sure that we have Him. So we also see what's the motivation. Why is it that the gospel and people start changing things and adding things to the Bible? It's because they want to please people. That's what they want. So what we get here in the context of what is happening is, again, there's a distortion. There's taking from a command and a promise and, and also the law and a command to Abraham and also in the law of Moses to keep circumcision. For those who are becoming believers and were were proselyting and becoming Jews for so long, they were required that the men uh, be circumcised and then go through a mikvah washing, and then they'd be accepted in as Jews. And here they wanted to continue that. And Paul's saying, not under the gospel of Christ. Christ didn't command this. This isn't a part of his plan. Because, yes, you have the blessings of all the nations through Abraham, and God commanded Abraham to be circumcised. And then you have the the, the commandment and the law of Moses, but it isn't under the law of Christ. Christ didn't command it. You cannot add to it. You cannot take it and, and uh, apply it to the gospel of Christ. But you see a lot of people today, a lot of churches who do this, and it seems the more that they're heretical and they have false views about God, they want to take these things from the Old Testament and from other places, and you would think in all places, the, the Old Testament, you can see the appeal of it. This came from God to His people why can't we just pull from it today? And again, we're ultimately under Christ and under his covenant. Now, what, what bad things can come from that? Well, go to chapter 2 with me. Chapter 2 and look at 11 through 14. Here you have an apostle of Christ confronting an apostle of Christ about the matter. Because what effect has it had? Well, it's not like Peter's compromising anything, or is he? Look here, chapter 2. And verse 11, this is what we read here. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He was guilty. For behold, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now they're the ones coming here, putting the prescription of circumcision on here, but you've given up on that. You're not living under it, but you're allowing these other ones to come here and to put this old law onto them. And what has happened there? There's a separation there with the apostles. And Paul did the right thing in confronting this. Uh, Peter was not acting. You imagine that, an apostle. Here's the one he's preached there on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people have been saved. Um, And yet he has stumbled in this area and not handling it the right way. So I, I think those things are fascinating. We want to be very careful with what others want to bring in. And add to the truth of the gospel. Look at verses 15 and 16. It says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. There's no justification under the law. You're only condemned under it. But under Christ, you have salvation. Follow his commands, follow his instructions. Follow his gospel. If you love him, that's the right thing to do. And that is a very clear message that we get here in Galatians. And that message of justification he teaches throughout. So if you go over to chapter 3, you'll note this as well. Verses 11 through 14. Chapter 3, 11 through 14. Let's start at verse 10. It says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. What? Who can keep up with that? Who can do all that? So it's very clear from the beginning that if you didn't keep all the law, that you were cursed. What I want you to notice here as well, and it stood out to me, is Paul quotes Scripture, 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 and Scripture. He just keeps going right here. I love it. All right, look at verse 11. He says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Where is that? Habakkuk 2, 4. So again, he's quoting, We know that we're justified not by the law. The law only puts the curse on us. It shows us when we do wrong, he says, but we're justified by God by faith, just as Abraham was by faith and now ultimately under Jesus Christ. Because we believe in God and we trust in Christ and who he is and what he has accomplished through the gospel. Look at verse 12. He says, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And so if you want to be justified by the law, you're going to have to live by that. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus took that curse out of the way. He bore it on our behalf, just as the Old Testament said would be necessary. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Remember that blessing? He quotes it for us here, that you may receive the promised spirit uh, through faith. And so he emphasizes here, and, and quoting later on the text, that the offspring... And that uh, offspring of Abraham, all nations of the world, were to be blessed. And that has come in. So a lot of things we learn and we we gain from this instruction here in in the book of Galatians to make us aware that we want to keep the gospel as it's been delivered and given to us without altering it. I want to share another passage with you as well. And I think this is an effect as well on, on what is happening here. Galatians 5. Take a look here at Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, we see we have freedom freedom from the condemnation of the law. And you start in verse 13. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so that seems to be the tendency there. Those who want to stick to the old law, they feel like if they let go of it, then now all of a sudden they can justify any kind of behavior. And of course, Paul's countering that, so that's not true. Verse 14, he says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So, there's a practical sense in which we follow Christ. And we continue to keep the commandments of, number one, loving loving God, and number two, loving our neighbor. And I think ultimately, when you start to change the gospel, you're putting yourself in a position to where you're, you're definitely compromised. When you start to go out, step out of the gospel, you're stepping outside of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that in the beginning of Galatians chapter 3. He says, Were you, how are you justified? Aren't you justified... Uh, By faith. Did you not receive the Holy Spirit in that way? I'm going to back up and read that Galatians three verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So you got a problem now. If you're adding stuff to the gospel, you're going to have other sins in your life and other struggles because you don't have the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit anymore. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But he says, look at verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, and now are you being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, and if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing of With faith, just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him as righteous. So again, believe, faith. That is the access to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to come right back here to Galatians 5 where we look at the fruits of the Spirit. I'm just going to read two verses here. Look at verses 16 and 17. I think this kind of puts a cap on it. When you start to alter the gospel, you put yourself in a bad position. You compromise yourself when you alter God's word. And there's a devastating curse upon you, and it's by your own actions. Look at this, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you got these other individuals evidently think, well, if we do this and we keep this law, then we're not going to be giving in to those those desires and those sins that are mentioned here, and there's a list of them um, to come out right after, verses 19 through 20. Sorry, 19 through 21, excuse me. Look at verse 17. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing what you want. And so you need the Holy Spirit to give you strength To walk in this Holy Spirit, so that you do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So you want to follow His way, His gospel, His message, the way of Christ. And if you alter that, it has a devastating effect on the rest of your life. And so someone might innocently think, "Well, can't we do this, or alter this, or change this? Can't we just, you know, you know, change the Lord's Supper or alter it in some way, or change the way that uh, people worship in the Bible?" or to change how the the church is organized. And you can go down a long list of things that we often face today that a lot of churches, a lot of people do. We want to have no part in that. We know the severity of it. We know the consequence of it. The book of Galatians is a wonderful book that warns us about the devastating effects of it. I think it's a great invitation tonight. I can't overlook this. It's the end of Galatians chapter 3. And listen to this. Verses... uh, I'm starting verse 25. He says, Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We're no longer under the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. You're all children of God through faith. Who are? Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So tonight, if you want to put on Christ in baptism, you can. No longer be under the law, you're under Christ, and you live by faith, and you follow his instruction. His commands. We want to be faithful to him and never change his word. Whatever your needs are this evening, we want to pray with you and encourage you. If you need to obey the gospel and baptism, come right now. Let's sing together.